millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. All right. Hey, welcome to our webinar tonight. Uh, I am Coach Chad Parks, and we have an incredible guest with us, Coach Dustin Myers. Coach Myers, uh, if you follow social media at all, if you follow the wrestling world, you know that he works with Ohio State wrestlers, the RTC. Uh, he is a guru in strength conditioning. So from all of us here at Wrestling Mindset, Coach Myers, man, we're, uh, we're happy and honored to have you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys having me out today, man. I'm pumped to just kind of chop it up a little bit, spread some knowledge, answer some questions, and try to make everyone just get a little bit better today, you know? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, hey, while we're going through this presentation, and more and more people will be joining on, I can see, uh, you know, the attendees here. But if you have any questions, and Coach Myers is going to go first. He's going to talk about strength training. He'll answer some questions. I'm going to talk about wrestling mindset and mindset training. Then I'll answer some questions. If there's any you can hit for both of us, that's fine. Um, so anyone who's on here right now, we have a chat box. You can type in a question in the chat box. So anytime along the way, if a question pops up in your mind, something you're thinking about, type it in the chat box. And then uh, as we're done presenting, we'll go ahead and look at those questions. We'll get those answered for you the best we can. And then this is also being recorded. So later on, we will have this posted in a few different places. So you can go back and you can take a look at it. Uh, we also have our contact information, so you can contact Coach Myers, and you know you can work with him. You can contact Wrestling Mindset and uh, work with our services as well. So, Coach Myers, I'm going to get ready to turn it over to you and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and then uh, we'll jump right in. All right, sounds good, man. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, just for any of you that may not be familiar with me, uh, my name is Dustin Myers. I'm in the old school gym here in Potaskville, Ohio. This is right outside of Columbus. I've been here, you know, since 2003, so we've been in the gym business for a long time. I'm the strength coach for the Ohio Regional Training Center at Ohio State, and I've held that role since 2012. Uh, so that's kind of the Olympic arm of our wrestling program there at Ohio State. Um, so, I, like I said, I've had that position for the past eight years, you know, working with the senior-level guys, and for about four or five of those years, from roughly like 2014 to 2018, I also, through the RTC, served as a strength coach 
uh, for the collegiate team. And we had a really good run at that time. You know, won three Big Ten titles, won an NCAA team title, coached a bunch of All-Americans, and, uh, you know, get to train with a lot of savages and really, you know, really elite athletes. So it was a lot of fun. Um, so that's really, you know, resume-wise, that's kind of who I am and why I'm here today. Um, I'm also the strength conditioning expert for Flow Wrestling. You might see my... My tips I do on there every week. I did a cool workout this week with my, my eight-year-old son on our wrestling mat in our, uh, in our basement. So it was really cool to do. Uh, so I'm always putting content out there, always trying to help athletes and trying to help coaches and parents, you know, trying to get you guys to understand a little bit better, you know, what to do and when and how to do it. And I like to say that, you know, most of you probably have a good idea of what the pieces of the puzzle are. You know, you know, you got to lift heavy, you know, you got to run, you know, you got to you know, do rope climbs. You, you know what all these pieces are, but sometimes you just need a little bit of help fitting them together the right way. And that's kind of where I come in. And, you know, my, my experience working with, you know, um, kind of elite athletes, especially elite wrestlers for a long, long time, I can think it'd be very valuable for you guys. So, you know, what I want to get into today is kind of a broad topic, and that is how to eliminate weak links. Hopefully you guys can see this on the uh, chalkboard up here. These chalkboard notes are really just kind of for me to keep my train of thought going so I don't ramble on uh, too long. But, you know, when we think of eliminating weak links, we, I, I want to kind of change the way that most of you are probably thinking about, you know, if you have a, a wrestler or an athlete that has a weakness in a certain area. Um, you know, you'll, you'll hear coaches or you'll hear even athletes say, oh, well, you know, I have a weak grip or my lower back's weak or I got, you know, I got weak hips or I got weak legs. But a lot of times we say these things without even really – understanding what they mean and if we don't really understand what they mean or what that weakness stems from then it's gonna be really hard to fix you know we might say okay well you know I, I got a weak lower back so I have to you know I got to do exercise for my lower back and that may work but a lot of times it's really not that simple okay so just kind of in general what I want you to start thinking about when you think of whether it's yourself or your athlete that has a weakness you want to start thinking all right is this a positional weakness or is it some type of, you know, strength and balance or strength deficiency? Okay. And so what do I mean by that? All right. So when we think of, all right, so if someone has weak grip, is it that their forearms, you know, these, uh, the muscles that control the hands, is that the weakness or is it they can't hold on to a shot? They can't squeeze here. Is that why they're, they're getting stretched out? They're giving up the leg. They're giving up the takedown. Is that where the weak grip is? So you want to think, you know, what, what is the actual root cause of this kind of perceived weakness? Another example would be, you know, you have athletes who get, you know, very tired in their stance or where they, they can't hold position. You think, well, they got, a, they got a weak lower back. But is it the weak lower back or is it their hamstrings are weak or their hamstrings don't have a, you know, a lot of capacity to them? So then what happens is when someone pulls on their head a few times, the hamstrings become fatigued, the legs straighten out. Now all of that strain, all that pressure when someone pulls on my head is on my lower back. So it may not actually be the lower back that's really the issue it could be some it could be the hamstrings it could be the glutes and that the lower back is trying to compensate for that so i think when you're when you're looking at a specific case a specific athlete and you think like okay what do we have to fix to fix this thing is it positional weakness or is it you know, some type of deficiency you know is it a specific muscle that's deficient or some type of Imbalance. Now, in wrestlers, a lot of times we will see some type of strength and balance in the core and the hips because they're always loaded with one leg in front. Okay, so if my body kind of adapts to having one leg in front, 
to be strong in that stance. Now, when I get loaded under a bar, you know, in a bilateral stance for a squat or for a deadlift, yeah, I might have a, an imbalance that is going to cause me to rotate. That's going to open me up for injury. So that is probably the biggest thing that you need to address when you look at athletes. If, if there is some type of imbalance, it may not show up when they're wrestling because maybe it is adapted. Their body's adapted to their wrestling. But now when we load them during strength training and they have this imbalance, they're going to be more prone to injury because my body wants to, my body wants to twist to where it's strong and where it's used to being when I wrestle. And now when I'm loaded with that bar on my back and I try to twist that way, I'm straining under load. I've opened myself up for injury. So those are kind of some of the things in general I want you to think about when you're trying to identify, you know, how do we, how do we fix these weak links that our athletes might have? So once we've, start to identify what the problem is, then we gotta come up with a strategy to fix it, all right? And there's, there's quite a few different ways you can go about fixing them. And the most obvious thing is like, okay, well, we need to get stronger, all right? So if someone has weak hamstrings, we need to improve the strength, the absolute strength in the hamstrings by taking the right accessory movements. So. Obviously, you know, the heavy compound movements, deadlifts, lunges, squats, those are all going to be, you know, the, the pillars of your strength program, but those are compound movements. And if you have weak hamstrings, now your hamstrings are not just, you know, at, at a deficit when you wrestle, but that deficit is also going to hurt your progress on these main strength movements. So now we're going to pick accessory movements to kind of isolate, you know, isolate those, those uh, muscles and help get them stronger. You know, so when you think about the hamstrings, we want to think, all right, we're going to train them both together, but also in a unilateral stance, you know, different single leg bridges, you know, single leg hamstring curls, you know, and then other accessory movements with our bilateral, such as, you know, glute ham raise, glute bridges, things like that. So that's probably, that's the, that's our first strategy is to improve the strength whatever we, wherever we've identified that there's some type of deficiency, all right? The next thing we want to look at is not just getting them stronger, but also improving the capacity. And by that, I mean the ability, the work capacity, the ability for those muscles to be strong throughout the match. You know, wrestling is a very unique sport where you have to be, you know, very strong. You also have to have a very strong aerobic base. You have to be able to sprint and recover during the work, or during the, um, during the match or during the practice many, many times. So, we have to look at things not just from an absolute strength standpoint, because you could be, you could have a very strong lower back or very strong hamstrings, but if they lack the capacity to hold up, they're going to fall apart as the, as the match goes on or as the practice goes on. So that example I talked about earlier that I see a lot with, you know, guys that get tired in their stance, it's because they're maybe even their hamstrings are strong. They can deadlift a lot, but if they don't have that good endurance, they straighten the legs out. All that strength, all that strain is now in their lower back. So we've got to look at adding accessory movements, not just for strength, but for work capacity. So for there, you know, if we're thinking of the core, you know, that, you know, plank positions for endurance, or we think of, you know, um, you know, weight holds for our grip. So we're not just trying to, you know, or even bar hangs for our grip. So it's trying to build up that grip endurance. So that that way, you know, even though even someone has a strong grip when they're hand fighting at the beginning of the match, by the end of the match, they can still hold on to a wrist and not let go because they have that capacity. So our accessory movements to build strength and to build capacity. The next strategy we want to think about 
when we're picking exercise to help eliminate these weak links are we want to make sure that there is some cohesion in our movements here and that there's synergy that exists between the different muscles along the chain that are all being used. I'll use the neck as the example. All right, so when you think of traditional exercises for the neck, you know, you think of different you know, movements here, you know, weighted movements, weighted, um, you know, resistance movements, and those are all great, but anytime you can do something that is going to, you know, train the neck along with the rest of the posterior chain, all those muscles down, the, down your spine, to your glutes and your hamstrings, so that so when someone grabs my neck, if my neck's strong, but my legs are weak, they're still going to be able to pull me down. I want all those muscles to be able to fire at the same time. So we use a movement called, or I guess I shouldn't call it a movement, but a static hold called a neck plank, where we're bridged up in a glute bridge position and all the weight is on our neck. Not arched up where all that weight is on our spine, but actually on the neck. And so our neck is firing at the same time as all those muscles on the posterior chain. Now, another good example of this is a staple that probably all of you coaches use with rope climbs. Rope climb is great for building grip strength, grip endurance, but we're also using our grip in a very sport-specific manner because we're pulling while we're gripping. You know, this movement as we're climbing the rope, very similar to grabbing the head, grabbing the wrist, pulling my opponent to me. So when you think of, co you know, think of cohesion, you know, some of these movements, some of the strength movements, are, they may be kind of isolation movements in nature. The capacity, the movements that build capacity are going to be more almost full body movements that kind of, you know, build endurance with that being a weak link, being the anchor. And we want to think of a cohesive strategy to make sure that we're, we have synergy between the, uh, you know, whether we're talking about the muscles of the core, the muscles opposed to your chain, the neck, or your grip. Okay? Now, Kind of the next problem or strategy here is to intersperse. And what I mean by that is a lot of the stuff that we do, especially when we're talking about correcting imbalances, are almost prehab type movements, preventative rehab. They'd be stuff that, you know, if you got an injury and you went to physical therapy, they would, you know, some of these movements with bands and different holds and different positions that they would teach you to rehab. We use those as prehab or preventative rehab. Now, what I've found with my athletes is if I give them a list of things, say, hey, here's your prehab. I want you to do, you know, 10 minutes of this or five minutes of this after the lift every day or after practice every day or do when you go home. It doesn't get done because in their mind, it's not really a priority. You know, it's, ah, oh, well, that's, you know, we're trying to prevent something that hasn't happened yet. I'm going to spend time doing that, whether it's my flexibility or core stability or whatever it is. So when you save it for the end or for them to do on their own, a lot of times it doesn't get done. So what I like to do, and this especially works well with group athletes, I'll intersperse, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, maybe some grip-specific stuff, core stuff, things to eliminate strength and balance. I'll intersperse that within our lifting program throughout the day or throughout the workout. And when it's kind of almost used as active recovery at that point. So if we're pulling heavy deadlifts and we're going, you know, heavy doubles at 90% of their one rep max, they need three or four, maybe even five minutes in between each one of those sets. Now, when I have 10 or 20 athletes at a time, I don't want them to stand around for four minutes in between. So that's when I take that opportunity and say, okay, their central nervous system is going to recover. Their energy is going to rebuild during that time. But I'm going to give them some of these prehab movements, whether it's a power-off press or different types of glute bridges or um, you know, other band movements, you know, pull-aparts for the rear part of the shoulder and the upper back. We'll kind of sprinkle those things in there so that kind of keeps them active. 
they have some set prehab station to go to, and before, the, before you know it, they get done with it, and then it's back up to their main lift, okay? So you're kind of, by interspersing those things in there, you're you know, kind of killing two birds with one stone because our next pillar of our strategy here is to activate, activation, okay? And I'll kind of talk about it more in general in a second, but if we're doing glute bridges as prehab interspersed in between our deadlifts, that's also activating the glutes and making sure they're online and firing so that when I get up to the deadlift platform again, my deadlift, my glutes are going to fire. It's not, you know, if they're asleep at the wheel, now all that strain's on my lower back and maybe I pull my lower back and then the, you know, the coaches are going to say, oh, yeah, he hurt his back, he has a weak back. Maybe it wasn't the weak lower back. Again, you know, it was that the glutes were asleep at the wheel and they weren't firing. So we got to make sure that a lot of these little muscles were activating, not just during the workout by interspersing stuff in, but do you have a good, solid, dynamic warm-up at the beginning that is going to make sure these muscles are online and firing? Now, I have different you know, warm-ups that I do for every workout, but the main thing that I do for every workout is activate my glutes, my hamstrings, my lower back, my rear delts, the muscle on my upper back, basically all the muscles that you can't see when you look in the mirror. Those are the muscles that are going to help you avoid injury during strength training. They're going to make sure that they can kind of help carry the load. If your glutes are asleep and you get on the bar to squat or you go, you know, if my hamstrings are, haven't really been warmed up and I can try to run sprints, I'm going to pull something. You know, that's why one of the most common injuries you see are what I always call, you know, church league softball. You have someone that sat at a desk all day. They go, you know, go to the field to play softball in their church league or whatever. They smack that first home run, and the first time they sprint the first base, they pull a hammy. might not be that their hammies are, are weak. It's that they didn't do anything to activate them. So they weren't ready for that maximum force contraction of sprinting. Okay? And, guys, I know I'm kind of covering a lot of ground here, so make sure if you, if you think of something that you want me to expand on when I take the questions here in a little bit, that you hit it down there in the chat box, so that way I can come back to it here at the end. All right. So just kind of sum those up. Our strategy, once we've kind of identified what the weakness is, we wanted accessory movements for strength, accessory movements in you know, positions to help build work capacity. We gotta make sure there's some cohesion between you know, the, exercise, the, uh, the muscle that we're trying to strengthen and the muscles that are gonna be used along with it in a realistic setting, you know, thinking of, you know, grip strength and pulling being a good example. We want to take prehab-based movements, particularly when we're trying to correct an imbalance and intersperse them throughout the workout. And we want to make sure that those serve as activation and that we also prioritize activation at the beginning of our workout. All right. So now just kind of to move on to like, all right, well, that's a lot of information. So what, what's the big picture here? The big picture is all those things I talked about, you know, grip strength, posterior chain, core, your hips, your glutes, your neck, every athlete, every wrestler, I don't care who they are. I don't care whether it's a, you know, my son Jack who's eight years old or, uh, you know, Kyle Snyder who's an Olympic champion. They all can benefit from strengthening those areas. I've never met an athlete or a wrestler whose hamstrings were too strong, whose glutes were too strong, who had too stable of a core, all right? It just doesn't exist. 
So for the big picture, we're going to make sure that we prioritize the posterior chain. And then you have a variety of exercises that target the posterior chain. And then you do something for the posterior chain every workout. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to deadlift heavy every workout. That would be counterproductive. But on a day where we deadlift heavy, we're also going to do glute activation. We're also going to do some type of accessory hamstring work. On a day where we don't, maybe it's not a lower body day, more, maybe it's more of an upper body day, we're still going to do, you know, uh, sled pull-throughs or band pull-throughs for the glutes. Hamstring bridges, we might sprinkle in and intersperse even in between, you know, dumbbell presses or heavy upper body movements. We do something for the posterior chain every workout. So whether it's like we're trying to build strength, we're trying to build resiliency, we're trying to build muscle endurance, or just try to correct some type of imbalance. Prioritize the posterior chain. Every athlete, every wrestler can benefit from that. The other thing that every, every wrestler should, um, can benefit from is more core stability. Now, when I think kind of when, the, when it, in general, when people hear core strength, they immediately think of abs or a six-pack. Abs are only a small part of the core. You know, core is everything from here to here, you know, front and back. That's your obliques, your lats, your glutes, your abdomen, you know, the low back erectors. There's a lot that goes in to core. So if the, mo if the bulk of your quote-unquote core work is some type of, you know, ab, you know, crunch movement, you know, those are going to tone and maybe strengthen the abdominals, but they're not going to help for abdominal bracing that also requires the low back and the glutes to fire. So I recommend every workout you do something for core stability. Now, this may be an anti-extension movement like an ab wheel, something that you would traditionally think of with, with core training. Or it may be, you know, on an upper body day, we may do heavy farmer's carries, which are going to work our grip strength, but also our core stability as we're moving, as we're moving through space, carrying that weight. Overhead carries are one of my favorites uh, for core stability for wrestlers because we're going to, again, kill two birds with one stone here. We're going to develop that core stability in an unbalanced position, but also going to work on shoulder mobility and shoulder strength overhead, which is a kind of a position a lot of wrestlers have trouble in when they get here, when they get stretched out because they're so used to being right here. Everything's kind of rounded forward. Again, like I talked about with the, with a stance, you kind of develop that imbalance. This becomes an imbalance in the shoulders as well. So to get, in this position, we get I get strung out on a single leg. I'm more apt for injury because my, my lats aren't supporting my shoulder properly. So those overhead walks are something I use a lot for core stability. And again, we think of core, we think of the anterior core. The posterior core is just, if not more important. So low back, hyperextension, reverse hyperextension, you know, things like that. Um, grip strength is something you need to prioritize. But for the most part, well, I shouldn't say for the most part, but if we do something for grip every day, it's not always grip for absolute strength. It's not always heavy curls or heavy rows, which would kind of satisfy that um, kind of that requirement, but a lot of grip endurance stuff. Because I've, I've seen plenty of wrestlers that have a strong grip. You shake their hand, it feels like a vice, but they get juiced. Their arms, you know, they can't close their hands. Towards the end, after hand fighting, you know, their, their forearms just feel like they're blown up. So things that build grip endurance, weight holds, barbell hangs, plate pinches. And I think the most important thing when it comes to grip is to change and use uneven implements. So if you're always doing all your work for grip with a dumbbell or barbell, that's not going to de develop your grip in the way that it needs to be used for wrestling. So 
you know, towel pull-ups, rope climbs, like I said, those, you know, plate pinches. We'll do, um, even off a regular bar, we'll just hang from our fingertips and do pull-ups like that. So we're trying to, you know, when you grab someone, you never grab like this. It's always, you know, we're here, here. You have some type of odd grip on their arm or their ankle or the leg or whatever you're trying to hold on to or you're holding on to your wrist. So we need to try to, you know, train with many different implements for our grip strength. All right. And kind of the last thing that I feel like wrestlers really need to focus on or could benefit from is developing the neck. And this is more for injury prevention than anything. Now, during the season, we're getting, you know, their heads are getting pulled on so much. They get so much neck work that there's probably not a lot of neck work they need to do for, from a strength standpoint in season. Out of season, though, the bridges that I talked about, um, you know, the neck harnesses and stuff like that, he's going to make sure that they don't, especially youth athletes, they don't overdo it. And they're not really overextending, just kind of a real short movement. But what I like to do, um, especially in season, almost as a prehab, is static holds. And again, I'll intersperse this stuff in between the main lifts. You know, I just got done with a, a set of bench or a set of rows. I'm waiting to get back up in the rotation. Instead of staying there for two minutes, now I'm going to do static holds, provide manual resistance, you know, for 10 or 20 seconds each direction. As hard as I can... And without doing any type of flexion, that's helped me develop that strength and stability in my neck so that when I'm in position and someone tries to, in the hand fight, manipulate my head position, it's going to be stronger and it's going to be able to protect my spine a lot better. So that's kind of the gist I wanted to talk about. Just to sum it up again, if you want to eliminate weak links, just in general, when you're thinking about, think about whether these weak links are more of a positional issue if it's more of a strength imbalance, or if it's a deficiency of strength. And then once you kind of identify that, you think about your strategy. We got to get accessory movements for strength, accessory movements to build work capacity. Make sure there's cohesion and synergy between the movements and between what you're going to actually be doing in your sport. Intersperse that prehab in there. Make sure that you prioritize activation before any tough workout. And then for the big picture, we want really focus on the posterior chain every day, core stability in some sense every day, grip strength, particularly grip endurance, using different implements, and also make sure, particularly from an injury stand, prevention standpoint, that we're prioritizing strengthening. So anyway, guys, that's what I got for you. I'm going to kind of pull the chat up now and see if there's any questions in here. Yeah, if you guys have any questions about programming, anything that Coach said, uh, go ahead and throw them in the chat. All right, looks like some guys had some trouble with the uh, uh, with the sound there for a second. Okay, good. Looks like you guys were guys were good. Um, yeah, if you got any questions, go ahead and type them in there. Um, you know, real quick. I know at the end he's going to throw up you know kind of some info or how you can contact with the easiest way on Instagram. I post you know content on there daily at Coach Myers underscore Gut Check. Uh, my website, oldschoolgym.com. I got all my ebook plans available. You know, I got wrestling, strength, conditioning, in-season, off-season, preseason, home workout plans, all kinds of stuff. Right, we got a couple questions coming in, Coach. Okay, do I do any rotational work for grip strength? Um, so there's an old exercise that we used to use for rotational strength for grip, and it was you take a dumbbell – and you hold one end of it like this, and you kind of rotate like that. It's kind of an old school, you know, kind of blue collar movement. 
Uh, we would also take, I don't know if you remember the old adjustable dumbbells, but we'd hold the dumbbell and you just have like a five pump plate on one side and you rotate like that. I've used that stuff in the past. I found that by doing, you know, rope climbs where you're kind of rotating as you're pulling and also on your dumbbell row, you know, your heavy rowing movements, you kind of rotate as you pull. That kind of satisfies that requirement. So I don't do any type of isolation movements uh, for kind of, you know, rotational work for grip strength, but that doesn't mean that you can't, and it would be beneficial. The more, the better when it comes to that kind of stuff. Okay, do you do, do you have any type of workouts for strengthening the knees? So, a good, I mean, it really depends on what the problem is with the knees, you know, whether it's a, a ligament or tendon issue or whether there's some type of, you know, strength and balance. You know, if you have strong quads, weak hamstrings, you know, that can play a role in knee injuries. But something I found that kind of helps – you know, build the, I guess you would say the tolerance of the knees for, you know, wear and tear for running and stuff like that is what it's called uh, depth jumps. And that's where you jump down off a box and the work is being done. Not, you know, we think of box jumps, we think of jumping up on the box and blood explosion. When a depth jump, you're actually going to jump down and there's two different ways you can do it. One is, uh, you know, just to absorb the force. So you jump down and, you know, get your body to kind of load, contract eccentrically. That helps strengthen these. And then the other one is to work on your reaction time where you jump down and change direction and jump right back up. Okay. So Bill wants to know, there's a lot of hand fighting, interlocking of fingers. What is the best recipe for getting more strength in the fingers and the hands? Well, I think kind of like I talked about earlier, you're using different types of implements, not just using barbells and dumbbells to strengthen the forearms. Um, there's an old kind of grappling thing a lot of jiu-jitsu guys do. They'll get a bucket of rice and take their hand down into the rice and move it and turn it like that. Um, towel pull-ups are really good for building, you know, kind of finger strength and grip strength because you're, you're grabbing in such an uneven way. Uh, we take our, our max effort, you know, sacks and we, you know, ship our supplements in there. These old burlap, burlap sacks and we'll wrap them up and hang from stuff or we'll even hang, you know, put that around a, 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 a dumbbell when we do rows. So things like that where the hands are kind of gripping at in like an odd position, that's going to help all work all those tiny muscles and kind of help, you know, strengthen the hands somewhat. But, you know, unfortunately, most wrestlers, I know they've been in for a long time, their hands are all gnarled up. And you know, if you look at Colin Moore's hands, his knuckles are all big and the one pinky's pointing the wrong way and stuff. And he has a strong grip, but, you know, it's kind of the name of the game. Your fingers are going to get banged up a little bit. But hopefully – you know, by doing a lot of, you know, rope climbs and stuff like that, you'll be able to, you know, strengthen them. Good question. We'll take, I got time for maybe like one or two more if you guys got anything else. All right, Brad Pataki, hip flexor. So, are you asking about how to strengthen the hip flexor, or are you talking about a hip flexor injury? What's your, what's your question with that? Okay, so Brad, so for strengthening the hip flexors, so if we're talking about like the psoas, which is the main hip flexor, I don't recommend doing any type of specific movements for the psoas. You know, like we think of like hanging leg raises or toes to bars. Those are, those are the type of movements I think of when I think of you know, strengthening the hip flexors where they're the prime movers. 
what happens is when you target the hip flexors, then it, you know, the psoas connects to the front of the leg, goes through the pelvis, attached to the spine. If my psoas is tight, it's going to pull on my lower back and actually contribute to a lot of back pain. Now, what you do want to work on strengthening is the hip extensors, which are the glutes. When you hear people talk about strong hips, they're really talking about strong glutes. This is what extends your hips. If someone's in on my leg, my glutes are what is able to fight that off. If I'm a leg rider, you know, keep, keeping strong hips on that guy, that's my glutes, not my hip flexors. So your hip flexors get a ton of work when you're, uh, when you're running, when you're squatting, when you're deadlifting, you know, sprinting is probably one of the best things, or, you know, hill sprints. But I don't like to do any specific movements for the hip flexors. Hopefully that, that answers your question, my Brad. Thank you. Um, so what can you do for faster reaction time? We have a drill that we like to use at Ohio State called, um, called a scramble sprint. And for that, you'll have guys lay face down on the mat. They're facing away from you so they can't see you. And you'll have them jump up. They have to jump up and sprint down to the wall and sprint back. But the key is they don't know when it's coming. So we give them a, a clap, get to scramble to their feet and go. So the key is just trying to get their body trained on that auditory symbol or that auditory signal to react. You know, so there's stuff like that that we'll do. Other, you know, kind of wrestling specific drills where we'll be down, you know, foot taps and things like that. Um, but the best thing you can do is really just work on increasing your speed overall. Thanks, Adam. Good luck to you, man. You know, coaching is really rewarding. And, you know, I'm sure that you're going to keep kind of researching and finding, you know, what's it, what you're going to be able to use to, to help your kids. i got a ton of resources for you on my site. Make sure you go to oldschoolgym.com or if you follow me on Instagram, you can click all that stuff from my uh, – from my, from my link tree in my bio. Okay, what is my favorite lower body unilateral movement? I'm gonna say, without a doubt, Bulgarian split squats. And those are probably my favorite squat variation overall. That's where you have your back foot up on the bench and you're holding dumbbells. Unilateral movements, Bulgarian split squats. I also like a dumbbell reverse lunge a lot for wrestling. Okay, ribs, how do, how do you get to protect them? So, I mean, there's going to be rib injuries in wrestling. You know, it's just kind of, that's just kind of part of it. it. It is, you know, especially these lower ribs, which aren't attached in the front. They're kind of, you know, the floating ribs. But the best thing that you can do is build up the obliques, your serratus, you know, the muscle, your lats, the muscle kind of around it. You make everything strong around it um, so that they don't, you don't pull something or so that they're not quite as vulnerable. That's probably the, the best advice I can give for you on that. No doubt, man. All right, well, listen, I appreciate you guys tuning in to, to watch me. I'm going to send out some more information on, um, on all this stuff. I'm going to send out some videos to you guys next week that will kind of delve into some of the stuff a little bit deeper and show you guys some of the pre-app stuff we talked about. So make sure you, you know, check your email um, early next week for that. Chad, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. Yeah, all right. Hey, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. A lot of great info. And as you guys are going here, you can still put uh, questions in the chat. We'll come back to them. 
you know, so now we're going to transition into mindset. So a little bit of my background, uh, wrestling coach, I wrestled through college, was an All-American uh, multiple time, All-American, academic All-American as well. And then a uh, best-selling author, I coach now. My dad's a natural Hall of Fame wrestling coach. So basically been wrestling my entire life, love the sport, uh, love strength conditioning, like Coach Myers was just talking about. A big part of wrestling and a big part of every sport is mindset, okay? And one of the things that whenever we speak to individual athletes or teams, I travel and speak a lot, I often ask them, how much of your sport, and, and this could be wrestlers, this could be football players, whatever, how much of your sport is mental? And almost everywhere we go, universally, people raise their hand and they say 90% or more, okay? Every now and then you get something different, but normally, you know, 90% or more. So we have what we call the, the training paradox. If we know that our sport is 90% mental, why don't we train more mental, right? Why don't we train more mindset? Uh, most coaches, and I was guilty of this early in my coaching career, most coaches hold practice and it's 97, 98, 99% physical, right? Which we have to do the physical part. We have to do the strength conditioning. We have to do the technique. We have to do all the things that we do to become better wrestlers and better athletes. But knowing that our sport is very mental, we have to make sure that we incorporate mindset training. So I'm going to go through real quick. These are some red flags. And if you see these things in your athletes or if you're an athlete that's on here and you're dealing with these yourself, we know that these are mindset issues that we can and we should address. All right. So maybe your athlete doesn't pull the trigger or they don't have any killer instinct. You know, sometimes in practice, they're better in practice than they are in the actual match, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, in practice, man, they'll open up and wrestle. And then you get them out there in a real match, and they hold back, right? They won't pull the trigger. Again, sometimes they have the skill set. They just don't have the mental skill set, okay, because we haven't taught that. We haven't given them the mental tools yet. Uh, the giving, you know, good, good opponents too much respect. And we respect everybody, respect, but not too much respect, not in a way that we're going to just lay down or back down from them. Okay, maybe they wrestle too cautious or hesitant, afraid to lose or make a mistake. A lot of athletes are that way. Okay, and I remember my dad saying one time again, he's National Hall of Fame coach. I remember him saying, talking about football, saying like, "Man, you could put a bunch of guys in the backyard and let them play flag football or just one hand touch, and you'll see amazing plays. Guys laying out, one hand catches, juking each other out. Take those same guys and put them out there under the lights on Friday night or Saturday night, and they'll drop a ten yard pass that hits them right in the hands." And a lot of time it is because they're afraid to make mistakes and they're so afraid of it that they end up making mistakes. Okay. So we want to be able to address those things mentally. Uh, practice room, right? So everybody knows those in wrestling or uh, jujitsu, whatever you have those practice room athletes that go in and whoop everybody. And again, they get under the lights and they freeze up. Okay. Which leads to the next choking in big matches. So these are all things that we can, and we do address whether we're working with individual athletes or we're working with your teams. Okay, so I'm going to go down to my next slide here. Why do we do strength training? For the mind, all right? Strength training for the mind. And that's what we do in wrestling mindset. Uh, it should be year-round, just the same way that we're lifting or conditioning year-round. You know, maybe you have an in-season workout program. You have an off, maybe your period, you know, you have some sort of periodization that you use. Um, you have strength training year-round because we know that that's how we progress. You can, like Coach said, we always talk about this. You can never be too fast. You can never be too strong. You can never have too much technique. All right. Same thing mentally. So we want to make sure that year round 
even in the off season, we are doing mindset training with the athletes to get them prepared. So when they step in the season, they're ready to roll. And then we have some different things that we're going to run them through during the season. It's active training. It's not just letting them watch a video and moving on. And I know, again, early in my coaching career, I would sprinkle in some mindset training, but it wasn't super intentional. And so, you know, now as I progressed as a coach, it became very intentional. So we're doing active training with our athletes. We're making sure that they're teaching a lesson. They have worksheets that they work on. They have input. And then they have actual daily activities and weekly activities that don't take up a lot of your time, but they're very impactful. Okay, so for instance, we have a daily mindset plan. We have what we call mindset principles. And I know for my own wrestling team personally, at the beginning of every practice, we have them hanging around the room. I'll have one athlete say it aloud and then everybody repeats it. All right. Everybody on the team gets a little sheet that has the principles on there. They keep it in their travel bag. They hang them in their lockers. Now, the mindset, and I have athletes from all around the nation that I do one-on-ones with. And those athletes, same thing. We have them hang them on their bathroom mirrors so they can look and they can see these mindset principles. And every single day, they're going to say them. We're just training their brain and getting these things in their conscience, their pre-conscience, their subconscious, all those different areas. All right. Uh, we're helping people find motivation. And we want motivation that leads to action. All right. We don't want to just get motivated and excited and forget about it. So daily, we have athletes. We have what we call the success hotline. They call it up typically first thing in the morning. And they listen to a pre-recorded message that's going to kind of guide them throughout the day. All right. We're going to give them some mindset principles, a little bit of motivation. Any of you, it's free. You know, it's one of the beautiful things about our company, Wrestling Mindset. We have a lot of free information that you can use as well. So you can jump on YouTube, go to our videos and see some of our playlists and, you know, get a lot of training that way. And then nightly examination is one of our methods of journaling that we use. So, again, these are all very actionable steps that we're using with the athletes to strengthen their mind just the same way Coach Myers was teaching us how to strengthen the body. All right, so I'll take you through real quick. This is a sample of the mindset training or lesson that we go through with our athletes. All right, and I love this I love this graphic right here. Uh, one of our sayings when we're talking about predator versus prey mindset, we want our athletes to have a predator mindset. And this applies on the wrestling mats. This applies in the classroom. It applies in life. Okay, we want them to have a predator mindset, not a prey mindset. So – Eyes in front like to hunt, eyes on the side like to hide. And human beings, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and we tell our guys, hey, if you look at yourself in the mirror every night, right, you can't lie to yourself. You can lie to other people. Only you know if you put in, you know, your max amount of, of energy and effort that day and to become a better person and a better wrestler, a better student. But eyes in the front like to hunt, right? So we're predator animals. And you can look down here, and this is a great picture of Michael Phelps, you know, who's won multiple gold medals. He's focused on his objective. He's got this predator mindset. His objective is to swim in the best race, and his opponent has lost focus and is now focusing on him, all right? So now he's got that prey mindset. He's focused on others. So one of the ways that we like to think about this is the prey mindset, that is your greatest foe, F-O-E, all right? And the F stands for fan mentality. As athletes, it's okay to be fans uh, of other athletes or other teams, but we don't want to be – we don't want to have a fan mindset concerning our own competition life. Okay, so, again, I'm going to kind of go back to football real quick because I think this is a great way to think about this, and then we'll move it into wrestling. But I grew up in Oklahoma. I love OU football. I'm a huge OU football fan. And so I watch OU football on Saturdays. Sorry, Coach Myers, I'm a Ohio State, but <laughs> – 
but I'll watch, uh, you know, watch OU football on Saturdays. And then usually Sundays, I mean, Sunday evenings, I'll jump on ESPN. I'll look at the newest rankings. I'm going to see who they're playing next week. I'm going to see, um, you know, what that team's record is. Do I think we can win or lose? It's because I'm a fan. That's fan mentality. For the OU players, when they walk in on Monday, their job is to focus on getting better. Their time, their effort, their energy are spent on learning plays, learning techniques, becoming a better football player. Rankings don't matter. That's not going to help them win. That's somebody else's opinion. So for us as athletes and as coaches, we have to have that same mindset. We can't have a fan mindset. So teaching our athletes, you don't have to get on and look at the rankings every other day. And sometimes it's mom and dad that are looking at the rankings and showing it to them, or it's teammates are showing it to them. And it's cool to see your name in the rankings. But we all know that that doesn't help you win matches. And one of the beautiful things about wrestling is we got to put our foot on the line. You got to shake hands and you got to wrestle. All right. You got to prove it every single time. So we don't want to exist in that fan mentality. We're not looking at social media websites. We're not worried about all those other things. We're trying to become better every single day. Control the controllables and forget about the rest. The things we can't control, our energy, our effort, our attitude, our mindset training, our strength training, coming into practice fully focused, those type of things. All right. Now, the O info, that's others. And others can be really big. And others can be good. We want to make sure that we're representing our team really well. We want to represent our family. We want to represent our family and friends, those type of things. And we love those people and they love us. But sometimes we can also worry about what others think about us. And I've seen this in so many wrestlers. They worry so much about disappointing or letting somebody else down. Maybe they don't want to let down dad. Maybe they don't want to. And maybe dad gets onto them, you know, if they lose a match. They don't want to let down coach. So now they're no longer competing to win. They're competing not to get beat. And there's a big difference whenever you walk out there with that mindset. Okay. So if I know that, hey, if I lose this match, my dad's going to be mad at me. He's going to take away my phone or the car ride home is going to be terrible or coach is going to get on to me. That could really get in my head. So we have to teach the athletes, hey, you know what? First off, mom, dad, coach, they all love you anyway, and they're going to love you win or lose. All right. The next thing is you are, it's your journey. You're wrestling because you want to wrestle. You're the one who actually steps out there on the mat. So we can't have a prey mindset of worrying about what others think about us. Just know that they love us, know that we love them. But man, when it's time to compete, we're focused on things that we can't control. So we don't have the other's mentality. Maybe it's haters. Maybe it's uh, somebody in the stands who's chatting, literally teaching your athletes strategies to deal with those things. Because if, you know, if they've never been taught the strategy, we can't expect them to do it. And I know Coach Myers is a dad. I'm a dad. I have four kids. And I'm guilty of this sometimes as a parent. I'm guilty of this as a coach. Getting on to your kids or getting on to your athletes for something because you just expected them to understand and know it, but you haven't actually given them a strategy or taught them to deal with it. So those are things that we do in wrestling mindset. Okay, we want to teach these athletes to deal with these things. We want to teach your athletes and your teams how to deal with those. All right, so the E info is extras. And extras are things that are not inherently bad, but they can be bad. All right. So uh, video games, let's use that as an example. A video game, I mean, it's good for athletes to have hobbies. And a video game, maybe it's their hobby. Maybe it's something they can relax. They can get into a little bit. But if that video game is keeping them up till 2 o'clock in the morning, that's now impeded their sleep. Now they can't recover correctly. Now they don't have the energy to walk in and train to the top of their capacity the next day. Okay, that's going to affect them academically. So now that video game, the extra has become a negative 
instead of something that could have been a fun little hobby. It could be social media, watching TV. It could be a girlfriend, boyfriend. It could be any of those type of extras that get out of control. Okay. For athletes, it could be the way we're eating. And, you know, when it comes down to it, when everything else is fairly even athletically, it's lifestyle versus lifestyle. And so it's the way we think, it's the way we eat, it's the way we rest, the way we recover, the way we train, all those type of things. So the extras matter. So we need to go through those with our athletes and make sure that everything is staying in balance and that there's not an extra in their life that is hurting them. Again, that's a prey mindset. So we want all of our athletes to be able to focus, have an objective. Another way to think about that is your goals or your desired outcomes. Have an action plan in place to get to those goals or desired outcomes, or at least put yourself in the best position to achieve those things. All right, next slide here. These are the mindset principles I talked about that we say every single day uh, with our athletes. We have them say them. And gratitude is this first one, man. I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. As a coach, I'm thankful for the opportunity to coach. You could apply this in almost every area of your life. And ultimately, that's what we want. We don't want these things just to apply in the wrestling mass. We want them to be bigger and broader and apply to life to become better human beings, more productive. And as coaches, we can learn from these as well. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle, having an attitude of gratitude. Every day, we don't have to go to wrestling practice. We get to go to wrestling practice. I don't have to go lift weights. I get to go lift weights. You know, just that little mindset shift is huge. And so getting your athletes to come in and really buy into that is big. I'm aggressive and relentless. Being able to step on the mat and just wrestle freely and wrestle aggressive and be able to get after it, we want them to be able to do that. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes, and that is huge. We all know that as humans, we're going to fail sometimes. We're going to mess up sometimes. Okay, we're going to lose. Uh, very few wrestlers are Kel Sanderson and can be undefeated all the way through. You know, people experience loss, learning from that, success through failure. And so not having that fear, just knowing that they can walk out there and they can try to put points on the board. They can walk out there and they can fully wrestle and do the things that you've been training them to do. And then never give up. You know, we want them to have a never give up attitude, be willing to step out there and battle every single time. So again, when we're looking at wrestling mindset, we have to go in and we have to, we have to strengthen these different muscles in our brain and we have to train them. So we have courses that we take the athletes that, you know, we take the athlete, let's say I'm one-on-one. And I'm walking through every single week, we're going to be going through, here's a curriculum or here's our course, here's lesson number one in this section, maybe it's self-knowledge, maybe it's goal setting, and we'll walk them through that. And then they have activities that they do throughout the week. Okay, maybe we're working with your team, but we'll take some of these big areas and then we will do the same thing. We're going to have homework, we're going to have our curriculum that we're going to do, we're going to teach you, and then your athletes are going to have daily and weekly activities to strengthen their minds. Why we're also getting better technique through practice. We're also gaining better conditioning and shape. And then we're also making sure that our strength training is on par. Okay. So as we get ready to close out here, if you guys have any questions about mindset training, about wrestling or anything with strength training with Coach Myers, um, go ahead and throw it in there in the chat. And then I'm going to put up our last slide here. This is how you can contact us. All right. So if you want to get a hold of Coach Myers, his email, his website, his social media, make sure you go give him a follow. And then the same thing for Wrestling Mindset. Uh, if you don't follow Wrestling Mindset, we give away a lot of free information. So make sure that you do that. You can email us. You can get on the website. If you're looking to get your team lessons or uh, individual lessons for any of your athletes, we have those things available as well. You just email us at the info Wrestling Mindset there, and then we will uh, get right back with you and 
So I'm going to give a little bit of time here for any questions and then we'll get ready to wrap it up. Brad said, will this be available to rewatch? Yes. Um, I know that we will have it on the wrestling mindset website and then uh, coach Myers, um, we're putting this on your website and all. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm assuming so. Yeah, I'll probably share it out through my Facebook page or something, but I'll, I'll definitely have it linked up somewhere. And I, I will also send a link out with uh, whatever I have it up on, whether it's my YouTube or whatever. Whenever I send out an email with some more information, I'll have that link in there as well. Okay, very good. Yeah, I know. we'll have it on the Wrestling Mindset on our uh, YouTube page as well. All right. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate it. Yeah, Bill. Thanks for tuning in, man. All right, Chad. Good stuff, man. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, well, we're going to get ready to close it out. Again, there's our, our website, our contact information, and then uh, this is all recorded. So thanks, everybody, for getting on. We appreciate you big time. And uh, hopefully we added a little bit to your evening and to uh, your tool set for, you know, for your strength, tra strength training, strength conditioning, and then mindset as well. All right, until next time. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.